In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, imploring Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess to you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserve your punishment, now and forever. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, as a called and ordained servant of the Word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Introit. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand.
with you. Let us pray. Keep, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy church with thy perpetual mercy. And because the frailty of man without thee cannot but fail, keep us ever by thy help from all things hurtful. Lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth, because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved. For you are my praise. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle reading is from the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not enter or will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is the word of the Lord. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in themselves. Alleluia, alleluia, 
Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers. One stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Where, were, there not any, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us came, and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come.
Our sermon text is from Luke 17, verse 17. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? This is our text. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now our Lord Jesus Christ has directed us to reach out. To reach out to the poor. To reach out to the outcasts not only of our congregation, but even of those in the community at large. And last week we learned about how we are not to determine who our neighbor is. We're called to be a neighbor. We're called to show love, to love our neighbor as ourself. So, the government has set up faith-based initiatives in which religious organizations are allowed to receive government money, monies in order to do social work, and they're reaching out to help the general population. Maybe we ought to be careful before we rush headlong into this, and maybe we ought to consider, oh, why would the government be concerned, or why would it come to the church to ask for this kind of help for its programs? Think about it. Why would a non-Christian send their child to a Christian learning center or to a Christian school? Why would a poor person who doesn't go to church come to the church for emergency assistance. Why would a non-religious person come to church services? Why would the government engage members of the church in order to provide things like alcohol and drug rehabilitation programs? And why would the government want to sponsor an interfaith prayer service? Why? Well, the reason is clear. There, is very, there are very practical benefits which the church provides. It's because of these benefits that the government, at least in the past, has granted uh, tax-exempt status to the church. What are these benefits? Well, a non-Christian might send their son or daughter to our learning center because we provide a safe environment. We teach a child what is right and what is wrong. We teach them to love their neighbor. We instruct them to serve, honor, and obey their parents. And even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, non-Christian parents know the practical benefits of having an obedient and a respectful child. A poor person might come to the church because they can get help. Even if they don't belong to a church, don't have any intention of belonging to a church, the practical benefit of that help is things like food, clothing, shelter, help. A non-religious person comes to services in order, well, maybe that here they would not be judged according to income or race, background. Uh, They may come in order to please their spouse and have peace at home. They come to church because here you get the good reputation of being a good person. 
And the government engages the church in its social work because the government only has rewards and punishments and that's all that they can do and they only go so far. It's the motivation of religion that can really change hearts. And when the government decides they want to have an interfaith service, which you know is not to be done. The government is trying to rally the troops and to unite them. And the government knows that the church can do this kind of thing. And so the government tries to include all the gods in supposedly a kind of unity in order to fight a common foe, a terrorism or whatever it might be. And so they join together in singing, gathering together, because it motivates whether they believe it or not. You see, the practical benefits of religion are well known. And you can see that individuals and groups take advantage of the church and of her programs. Those nine Jewish lepers who came to Jesus, they were coming for practical benefits. They simply wanted Jesus to provide for them some bodily healing. Did they need bodily healing? Well, yes, of course they did. They had a terribly highly degenerative disease, which would only get worse, and this contagious condition separated them from their families, from their communities. However, when these nine had received the practical benefits, they were done with Jesus. I'm not saying they went out and robbed people. Uh, They went to the priest. They pronounced them clean. They offered a sacrifice. They went to their homes. It all sounded like it was good and proper. But they were done. They got the benefits that they wanted. Can you blame them for what they did? Well, Jesus did. Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? He does, in fact, accuse them of sin. Though in the world's eyes they were fine, Jesus accuses them of evil because they did not return and give praise to God. Thanksgiving and praise are not optional for the believer, and Jesus actually expects it of them. There is only one leper who is justified in the sight of God. What is even more amazing is that this leper was a Samaritan. He he only knew part of the scripture, for the Samaritans only had the first five books of the scriptures. Did he come for bodily healing? Well, yes, of course he did. But did he hightail it out of there after receiving his cleansing? No, not at all. He came and received the practical benefits, yes, but he came to Jesus because he believed that he was the Christ. And he knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world. And this leper returned to worship Jesus and to give him thanks. And it is to this man alone that the words of absolution are proclaimed. Your faith has saved you. Let's examine the actions of that healed Samaritan. What does he do? He returned to Jesus. He praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and he gave thanks to God. 
If you think of those actions, you will find that none of those Christian actions which Jesus praised and the other nine omitted, think about those things. They have no practical benefit. Hmm. Returned, praised God, fell on his feet, gave him thanks. No practical benefit. What I mean is there's no practical benefits for the body or possessions or the things of this life. The leper worshiped Jesus. All the others are going off to the priest making an offering. The leper, well, is going to be a good half day behind them. When he gets done with his worship, what's he going to have to show for it? Oh, sure, Jesus gave him forgiveness of sins, but that's not practical for this world. You can't eat forgiveness. You can't sell forgiveness. You can't clothe yourself with it. According to the other nine, this man has lost valuable time. And as we know, time is money. While the Samaritan is wasting his time, raising his voice and singing, the other healed lepers are getting things done. Similarly, while you are singing this morning, your neighbors are getting much-needed sleep. While you are studying God's Word, your neighbors are making money. While you are praying, your neighbors are enjoying a bike ride or hunting or whatever it might be. While you are giving money to support a pastor to provide more worship, others are busy getting things done and getting ahead in this life. While you are praising God, your neighbors are busy. The world says to you, what are you doing here? There's no practical benefits. Let me also address another unhealthy emphasis which has which entered into the church and become quite popular. Some people have been teaching that evangelism has become the ultimate goal of all Christian endeavors. In a sense, it's even quite a practical value because if you engage in evangelism, you add more members, and if you add more members, then they'll give more money to the church, and then you can do more evangelism. And with that kind of thinking, what we will find is that Christian worship becomes a wreck. That is, the leper who returns to worship God needs to be chewed out. He ought to be out evangelizing. Worship is simply unproductive and ineffective. Those who follow this line of thinking change worship into something else, that is, to something which has a more practical value. Divine service becomes entertainment, and that will attract others. Worship becomes a how-to workshop that teaches people practical benefits, things like child-raising, Christian real estate sales, or whatever it might be. What is most telling is, in all of those systems, you don't really need Jesus. You just need practical things which you can do in this world. But Jesus doesn't say to the Samaritan, what are you doing here? He says to the Samaritan, where are the other nine? In each divine service, we say the words which directly contradict all of this. 
these false ideas about worship and praise and thanksgiving. We say things like, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give Him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary. We should at all times and in all places give thanks to You, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, like the Samaritan, you've been blessed. You've been blessed by God with many things. You have already received food and drink, clothing, shoes, land, animals, and all that you have. You received the mercy of forgiveness of sins. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you've received eternal life. And when you have received all these things from Him, you don't take these gifts and then rush off as if the gifts were all you wanted. You stay to give thanks to the giver. It's good to give Him thanks. Jesus said it was good. Though you receive no worldly benefit of worship, though the gross national product of your nation is not increased by your worship, you're a child of God. You have a relationship with your Heavenly Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's right to give Him thanks. The nine did not do what was right. Even though they literally did what was required... It was their lack of faith which was condemned. The right thing is not simply outward actions, but faith-filled actions of thankfulness and praise. It is also salutary, good right and salutary, to give thanks to God. Salutary is not just beneficial or healthy. In Latin, the word salutare means saving. It's saving as the uh, leper, the the one that returned gets to hear, your faith has saved you. We can see in today's Holy Gospel that the fruits of faith flow from this leper, are saving. Those who are saved give thanks. And finally, maybe not practical, but at all times and in all places, we are a child of God giving him thanks. I need say no more. In today's collect, we pray, lead us to all things profitable to our salvation through Jesus Christ. Worldly, practical benefits? I don't know. But it's immensely profitable for our salvation that we return to Jesus, fall on our knees, praise Him, and give Him thanks. When? At all times and in all places. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds and faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Page 
let us pray to the Lord. Almighty God, everlasting Father, we give you thanks that you have had mercy upon us. You You have cleansed us, especially of the disease of our sin, by your Son, Jesus Christ. And that through that same Son, you have provided all that we need to support this body and life. Let us pray to the Lord. Give to your church the Holy Spirit that we do not gratify the desires of our sinful nature and fall into unthankfulness, but move us to give you thanks and praise at all times and in all places. Give us the desire to dwell in your house all the days of our life and to seek you for every good thing. Bless our Bishop James, our pastors Michael and Gary. We ask that they would freely give out your gifts, showing mercy even to the unthankful. Bless our Early Childhood Learning Center and our Director Keeley. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord in heaven, govern the nations of this world, endow our President Joe, our Governor JB, our Mayor Steve, federal and state legislators, all our leaders with grace to rule for the maintenance of goodness and for the hindrance of evil. Protect those who serve in the armed forces, especially Danny, Jason, Blake, and our police officers, especially Daniel and Alex, that they may diligently carry out their duties and be protected from all harm and danger. And for those who suffer from domestic violence, both victims and the violent, we ask that they would receive care and healing that they need and that as the people of God we would be moved to acts of compassion to aid those who are in distress. Let us pray to the Lord. Bless our shut-ins, Carolyn and Patty and Tom, as well as our elderly, Violet. Provide for the needs of Kevin, Levi, Larry and Deb, Christina, Harold, Jim and Charlotte, Denise, uh, Anita, Christina, Melanie, and Tal. Be with our students, with Tom, Kara, Jonathan, Sarah, Sadie, and Alexis. We ask also, dear Lord, that you would be with Susan Plock, who is pregnant. Uh, we ask that you would keep her, an unborn child, uh, safe until it's baptismal washing. Let us pray to the Lord. O oh, gracious God, in the holy supper of your Son's body and blood, you give us a foretaste of the feast to come as you bestow upon us your immeasurable gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. By your word and spirit, unite in true faith all this day who receive your Son's body and blood, that they may proclaim Christ's death until he comes. Let us pray to the Lord. O Lord, Heavenly Father, we here remember the suffering and death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation, praising his victorious resurrection, From the dead, we draw strength from his ascension before you, where he ever stands for us as our own high priest. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, and thank you for having had mercy on those whom you created, sending your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, provides the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, 
he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me The peace of the Lord be with you always.
is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Take and eat the true body of Christ. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of all of your sins, take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Given for the forgiveness of all of your sins, take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord Jesus Christ. body and blood, strengthen and preserve your body and soul into life everlasting, depart in peace.
give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Let us pray. We give thanks to Almighty God that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. We implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith towards you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Bless we the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.